Good evening, everybody. My name is Charlotte. I'm going to be your host for the next hour. I'm also the owner wow, of the California Haunts Paranormal Investigation Team based out of Sacramento, California. We are 45 strong up and down the state, which means if you have a paranormal need, we can get you as long as I don't drop the mic. No, I'm kidding. Um, the problem is California being such a huge state, we might not be able to get there right away. But we do have sensitives on staff that can call you and consult if need be before we get out there. Hello, TikTok. Let's welcome TikTok, our Facebook watchers, our YouTube watchers. Let's welcome everybody in. Welcome, welcome, welcome. If you're watching from Facebook and you like what you see, please be sure to hit that follow button if you haven't done so already. We do show six days a week. Seven days a week. Someday I'll learn. No, six days. Six days a week. <laughs> it's been one of the, Today has been one of those days, truthfully. Oh, wow. You know what? Hang on. I see something wrong already. There we go. I had to fix it. Sign was off. Um, we do shows uh, six days a week, Monday through Sunday. And uh, on Sundays, we always read from a paranormal theme book. On days like tonight and last night, when the guest has has things going on, we I do it. I also read from that book. So I think you guys are going to like this book. Anyway, if you're watching from YouTube, same thing. If you haven't subscribed already, please do. You know, we're looking for subscribers. We have more than 570 videos sitting over at YouTube. And they're all on different topics. I'm a parent. I am a, a uh, journalist. I was a paranormal journalist. I'm a journalist. And I really like changing it up a lot. So you're not only going to get paranormal topics over there. Okay. But our YouTube channel is youtube.com forward slash at California Haunts. California Haunts Radio or California Haunts. Depends what you want to do. Okay. I want to welcome you all here. Welcome TikTok. Uh, if you're watching from TikTok and you like what you see today and here, Please be sure to tap that screen. I'm, you know, send me some love, send me some hearts, some likes, because I really appreciate the likes. Last night we got a pretty good amount of likes, and I, I think you'll like what we're doing. Same thing for for uh, Facebook and YouTube. If you like what you see, please be sure to put those thumbs up and the hearts and all that stuff. And I really appreciate it on TikTok. I also have a goal right there of Easter eggs. Um, I'm trying to get 50 Easter eggs this week if we can. So if any of you find, think that what, we're, what I'm doing over here is a good thing, please be sure to send, send me an Easter egg, okay? Also, like I said, um, if you like what I'm reading and you like the book that I'm reading, please please hit, hit that screen for likes because I'm looking for likes and everything, all right? It helps me with the algorithm, keeps me going, all right? And we're going to try and do this more frequently with TikTok. I'm trying to figure out a way right now to be able to broadcast my show on my laptop and have it picked up on TikTok as well. Okay, because we have a different guest on every night. So anyway, um, last night we left off. I'm going to open this up and let you guys know that TikTok too. Um, if you have comments or anything you want to talk to me about, I really can't see it because you're on my cell phone and you're over there on that side. Just like with uh, Facebook and all that, I'm going to have to, uh, even though I can see their comments, I'm going to have to flip to my Kindle on my laptop because my, my regular Kindle on my handheld is just... Uh, I need a new tablet, so this is the only choice right now. And I don't have the I have a hard copy of the book, but I don't have the right reading glasses yet to go with that. So I can only read it up on my laptop. So I'm going to be reading on my laptop. So what that means is that everybody on YouTube and everybody on Facebook, I can't see your comments because I'll be on the Kindle page. Okay, just to let you know. Anyway, again, if you like what you see in here today, make sure you hit that like button. Make sure you tap the screen over there on TikTok because that's what matters. I like to see. Show me some love, you guys. Just show me some love. 
And if you really, you know, feel it and stuff, and you really feel like you like it, please be sure to uh, throw throw a couple Easter eggs my way. Okay, let's throw a couple. I'm not asking for a lot, just a lot, just a few Easter eggs. Okay. Also, starting mid towards the end of April and early May, I'm going to start doing subscriptions on TikTok. Uh, we're going to have a lot more content coming out. Uh, there's some plans in the works, and we're going to fully launch TikTok probably on May 2nd or 3rd. Or just an FYI. Okay, so without further ado, I'm going to read uh, from Unholy Structure, written by Anna Maria Manalo. Scary book. I've been a paranormal investigator for a long time, and this and it's, it's to read the story of another account by another paranormal group and what they went through in a particular haunted house that they investigated is something, and this story is something. It is some scary stuff, and you know, honestly, I think this guy is very brave. This this guy that runs this group, I think he's I think he's very brave. I have a lot of respect for him for even bringing his team into this, you know, and, and then continuing with it after after the stuff started to happen. Me, I would have I would have backed out and said we ran over our heads and brought in a shaman or something to deal with it. So this guy is very very brave. He he's got a good pair, as they say. So uh, I hope you enjoy the read tonight and. Uh, I think that I think as of last night they did the last investigation at the house. They did like I think they went back like five times to see what they could find, and each time they went, they got something really, you know, they they either heard stuff, saw stuff, or experienced stuff that was absolutely crazy and evil. And it's all and it, it's all got there's a backstory about this house that makes it all makes that fixes it so it all makes sense. Okay, so we're going to continue. We're in chapter fifty-seven. And I'll read for about an hour. And uh, like I said, if you like what you hear, tap that screen. Keep tapping that screen for me if you would. I'd really appreciate it. And hit those like buttons. All right, here we go. And I'm Maria Manalo's Unholy Structure. Let me get it back up here. All right, chapter 51. Let me get in here. Okay. Case number seven. The Blank Mansion. Report from HAPS team to Murray Properties, LLC. From John Curley, lead investigator. Again, welcome, TikTok people from TikTok. Like I said, I can't read your comments, but I know you're there. I can see you on the screen. And please hit the, please tap that screen for the likes, because the more likes we get, the higher in the algorithm we go. So if you could help me out with that, I'm just starting out with this channel. Help me out, just like you guys on Facebook and YouTube. Please be sure to hit, you know, thumbs up, the hearts, and all that good stuff for me. All right, here we go. Hello. I'll try this. There it is. Gentlemen. Pursuant to your formal request to investigate the property located in blank county, state of blank, please find the following information based on five overnight vigils in and around the property. Which includes the neighboring cemetery designated as blank. They didn't want to identify this place. Can't blame them for that. The following equipment was used in order to capture and provide evidence of the paranormal activity witnessed and encountered by the construction and renovation crews at the current property, including salvage and cleanup crew, as well as the electrician at the time of the investigation. 10 Tascam digital voice recorders, 10A channel wireless camera systems, 3 trail cameras, back area and two sides of the mansion. Two WYZ YZ motion tracking cameras in the dining rooms. Thermal imaging camera in the main kitchen. Full spectrum camera in the ballroom. 
REM pods, all rooms reported with activity, K2 meters in the basement, trifield meter at the cemetery, the front and side yards, geomagnometer outside only, motion detectors, stables and attic, static meters, hallways, handheld cameras, third floor and basement, and the ghost box in the attic. Now, this is, this is a true story, a true account of what happened to these investigators when they investigated this haunted mansion, I think somewhere in the south, because they won't identify where it is, obviously, because it's owned by a you know, company. Again, if you like what you hear, please be sure to tap that screen for, for those hearts, all right? And if you, if you really like what you hear, please be sure to send, me some, send some Easter eggs my way, okay? I'd appreciate it. All right, moving on. The team devoted over two months interviewing individual witnesses, numbering over 15 by the end of the investigation. The team has devoted five overnight investigations on successive weekend nights at the property to discern the nature of the disturbances. Please find attached the audio and visual recordings of the phenomena we as a team were able to capture. Please note that the manifestations we experience individually and as a team are not all recordable due to the nature of the phenomena which appeared resistant and elusive to being recorded. Based on the supernatural nature we encountered, documented for witnesses and recorded, we strongly recommend the, the involvement of the Archdiocese in order to ameliorate the paranormal activity that is being experienced as malevolent and threatening in nature. We believe that in order for the renovations to be completed, no, pers no personnel should be allowed to enter alone or at nightfall to this structure or its immediate area. Additionally, no personnel should take from or destroy any materials or furniture that is within, stru within the structure or its grounds. Second, based on the photographs we have also attached to this memorandum, we strongly recommend a referral to the Historical Society of blank, as the grounds and property have cremains and remains of Civil War soldiers as well as civilians. Third, due to the nature of the activity witnessed near and on the cemetery near the property, we recommend that the electrical cables be rerouted to prevent any remains from being disturbed, including what may lie within the boundaries of the cemetery. At the time of this report, we have no formal record of the experience we underwent while on vigil. While on vigil, let me do this, it didn't flip up. Near the cemetery, however, we ask that caution be used should anyone choose to wander into the grave sites, particularly at night. Any questions or concerns, please kindly contact us. Chapter 52, two weeks later. All right, if you like what you hear, tap that screen. Tap, please tap that screen, and over there on the other side, send me likes, happy faces, and all that good stuff. And then over on TikTok side, please send, I'm looking for some Easter eggs. All right, we're on an Easter egg hunt. John walked into the mansion at 10 in the morning as Jerry gave instructions to two burly men who appeared ready for a wrestling match. Jerry turned and gave John a large Starbucks cup shaking John's hand with his beefy one, a smile on his face. Well, buddy, at least you got us out of this one. Yeah, by the skin of my teeth. Looks like we only need to finish up whatever we started on the first floor, which should be done this week, the wallpaper and the tile floors. Then where? Well, I know I'm overdue for a vacation after this, but when I come back, I hear we're renovating another house, smaller but older. That's cool. I just got another assignment for our team, too. Yeah? Where? Up north. We're covering another team's territory. Jerry nodded. You're ready to vacay, I can tell. Yep. And the good news is, we get paid all the time plus overtime we mustered up. 
What's those two dudes up to? John pointed with his lip at two burly men walking up the stairs. Oh, they've been ordered to pull up that tub from the attic. Jerry winked with a smile. No kidding, John said, eyes widening. Yeah, whatever, the tub's an antique. So it costs a fortune, I guess. No matter what it takes, Jerry laughed, slapping his knee. John sipped his latte, surveying the crew, who appeared content. They all knew they only had a few days, and then they could move on to a better site. Jerry paused. Hey, you got a few minutes? Lead the way. Jerry walked out of the mansion and strolled along the side yard, which separated from the cemetery several yards away. It felt like a normal late morning, with birds swooping past and between the mature trees, the sun peeking through and dappling the thick grass. John wondered where Jerry was taking him and took in the surroundings of the yard, the stonework along the sides of the mansion, and, finally, the back. Jerry paused and turned, pointing to the long stone veranda with the federal-style con- columns holding up the massive vases, empty of soil. Beautiful, isn't it? John exclaimed. He knew Jerry wasn't giving him a tour of the veranda. Jerry led the way, ushering John to a small door which was under the stone veranda. John had not seen it during their investigations. Should I be including whatever is in there in our memory of the property people? No need. It's been documented before. Jerry pulled at the door with the screwdriver. He had his hand. The door screeched open, revealing a musty darkness. After you. It was a crawl space, so John had to get down on his knees. John crawled in and was eventually able to rise and stand up. Jerry reached for a lantern inside, a Coleman. You were prepared. Oh, believe me, I am now prepared going forward. Jerry chuckled as he held the lantern. Look there. Against the, against the far wall, under, under the veranda, the skeleton of a dog lay on its side. Embracing it was a human skeleton. The skeleton appeared about the size of an 11-year-old child. Tattered pieces of fabric still clung to the child's remains. Brown pants, a shirt, long-sleeved at one time. Inexplicably preserved, locked in time. John grabbed his cell phone from his pocket and raised it to take a photo. Then he paused and gazed at the scene. A desolate sadness. The child and the dog had finally been found. He put the cell phone back in his pocket. John crossed himself and said a prayer. He looked up at Jerry and nodded. The two men walked out into the fall sunshine. John watched, watched as Jerry shut the door. He felt someone watching. John looked up at a third-floor window, one hand shielding his eyes from the sun. Against the window's glass, a woman in lavender. The morning sun scintillated through her. She was smiling. Afterward. See, we're almost at the end of this book. We blew right through it. Follow-up report from Larry Albright, Investigator Haps. If you like what you're hearing, please tap that screen. Show me some love. Send me some hearts. Send me some Easter eggs. Same thing with you guys. Show me some love. Send me some hearts. Thumbs up and things like that. All right? Follow-up. Report from Larry Albright, Investigator Haps. At the request of lead investigator John Curley, the following is a brief report on the history of the Blank Cemetery, which was incorporated in 1734. The cemetery served as the town's burial site for the local population and had a section devoted to people who were found wandering the community, became ill, and died destitute without next of kin. It also served as a burial site for the aging clergy. Around the early 1800s, a legend took shape among the locals in the area that a large bipedal creature was spotted desecrating the graves. A contingent which involved the mayor, his police constable, 
and members of the clergy was dispatched to determine the name of the phantom dog that roamed the grave sites at night and left swiftly through the neighboring woods when lights were shined upon it. This incident plagued the community, where doors were locked and windows were barred for the first time. The sightings of the huge dog, rumored to be a werewolf, happened shortly after the fire at the adjacent inn, which closed for repairs and was rumored to harbor the ghosts who burned in the conflagration. After several attempts to bless the site and rid it of the werewolf, which scared both the adults and children alike, the cemetery was left in disrepair. The caretaker was later found injured with one leg amputated by a butcher knife. Upon later inspection, the knife was found to belong to the kitchens of the inn. No suspect was ever caught, and the case was dismissed. And we're done with the book. If you love this book, please kindly leave a review on Amazon. Your reviews inspire me as an author and former screenwriter to keep interviewing interesting people and writing more books based on the accounts for you to, on their accounts for you to enjoy. Well, we finished this book. Um, that's crazy. That's because we had a few guests that that uh, couldn't make it, so we were reading these things. <laughs> You know, like like three times, you know, so anyway, so that's the end of that, as they say. And uh, she always writes beautiful books. She's got another one coming out. And I'm excited for the other one she has coming out. So, uh, in fact, let's go ahead and do this. Um, the next book coming out is The Talisman. I guess there's another one coming out, but there's a book called The Talisman she has coming out as well. So it's based in the accounts of three students who rented an infested home from 78 to 81. Let's go ahead and read the synopsis. I'm just looking at this, and I think I know what this is. This is a more extended story. This was part of her um, haunted antique stories, and I think she put it into a full book. So, Chevy Lynn Chevalier, Sweden, a young teen of 13, lives with her single mother, Lynn Thayer, in an old house in suburban Connecticut, where she spends her days exploring books at the public library after school. One day at the library, she stumbles upon a book on witchcraft and becomes fascinated by spells. Unable to cope with her mother's perfectionist and punitive attitude towards her and comparisons to an older brother, Chevalier copes by becoming popular at school where she feels accepted. However, the acceptance is for the wrong reasons. She was reportedly disrespectful and rebellious with teachers. The savviness creates a crowd of casual friends who cheer her on, but she is then unable to bond with anyone. Thus, she remains feeling alone even in a crowd of peers. The pervasive feeling of isolation should serve to amplify her feelings of rage, and she can only relate to animals in the neighborhood. Chevalier, I think it's Chevalier, finds solace by controlling the people she hates when one day she experiments with her first talisman, a ring stolen from the neighbor next door, Edith Scott, a widow who lives alone with a dog and cat in a large Victorian house. She discovers that when she focuses her energy on the object, she can control Edith. Edith becomes Chevalier's first victim when the girl sees Edith kicking the dog in her backyard and carelessly tossing the body of her dead cat in the trash. Angered, she, angered, the girl performs an incantation on Edith's ring, and the woman reportedly ends up choking on her lunch. Edith almost dies, if not for the mailman, who happens upon her and rescues her. As more negative events are visited on the poor widow, Edith decides to move near her son. She moves, leaving the Victorian house empty next door. Chevalier's mother, a real estate agent, gets the listing, and Chevalier steals the combo and breaks in 
using the attic of the old Victorian home as an incantation room, where she casts spells away from the prying eyes of her mother, who doesn't suspect she is using the house for casting spells. This Victorian home, years later, is finally sold and becomes a rental house. So that's going to be the next book in the lineup that, that we do. So I'm excited about that. So we're going to go into the acknowledgments because I want you guys to realize that this, this book that we just read was a true encounter of what one, para, 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 me, one paranormal team encountered. Okay? So anyway, if you like what we're doing, you like, you like what I'm reading, please be sure to hit the tap that screen. Show me some love. Show me some love. Same thing with you guys over on, the, on, on Facebook and YouTube and all that. So here we go. This book was not possible without the account shared to me by John Curley, founder of the Harrisburg Paranormal Society. I thank him for his faith in my writing and the opportunity to lend credence to the greater reality that surrounds us. Now we're going to talk about Anna Maria, who was on our show last week. An award-winning screenwriter and freelance travel photographer, Anna Maria Manalo, authors memories and anthologies involving first-person accounts of hauntings in remote historic sites all over the globe. Her writing has been likened to Isabel Allende, Ellie Wiesel, and Lisa Jewell. Her cinematic storytelling style has placed her on the Amazon bestseller list for four weeks for her, for her previous release, Haunted Heirlooms. Her books are rated from 4.3 to 5.0. Anna has traveled to over 27 countries, compiling accounts of terrifying and bizarre events from locals and tourists alike. To share your own terrifying accounts, email her at info at If your story is considered, your account may be in her next book. Okay, well, that's the end of the book. And uh, she does have some other titles, if you guys are interested. The Way Through the Woods, which we read, was a fantastic book. Okay, I'm just going to go down. Maybe I just, okay, all right. All right, well, that's it then. Okay, so it has that one, and then she's got Haunted Heirlooms as well. Okay, guys, well, that, <laughs> that ended that book. See, we got through it pretty fast. Like I said, we had a couple guests that... That got sick on us, so we were able to blow through the books. That's pretty cool. So this Sunday, I'm going to be reading again. I don't know what I'm going to be reading yet. I have to look through and see what's available. And I know there's one um, author I was talking to who wrote a paranormal book based on what happened to her and her husband. So I'm going to try and get a hold of her to see if I still have permission for this book, and I'll have to get a copy of it. But uh, otherwise, Sunday will be on, and... Uh, Talking ghosts. I'm going to come on and talk ghost stories on Sunday, and I might have Karen Clark or somebody from my team with me to do that and tell some some real life stories about our haunted investigations. Okay, but uh, for right now, since we're done with that book, um, let's talk about this book. Let's talk about the investigation and what they did, and, and we'll talk about it. All right, because like I said, you know, I have been through quite a few that have gone bad. I'm not going to say gone bad, but have been interesting. Okay, we'll just, we'll just say interesting to say the least. And there's been a couple, two or three that we've done over the last 15, 20 years where I've actually pulled my team out and um, got next, extra help because, I mean, you do run into stuff where you have to pull your people out. It's only safety. It's a safety thing. You know, you don't want your people hurt. All right. I mean, there's TV, and then there's there's what actual ghost hunts are like, and it's two different animals. Um, we did one, and I'm not going to even give the location on it because I don't think it's fair to give a location for the family. Again, okay. Before I do this, if you guys like what you hear, 
show me some love and uh give me some hearts and stuff just like on tiktok hit just keep tapping that screen okay i'll try to answer questions and stuff if i can i'll try me see let me get in here and i'll try to answer some questions if i can anyway um wow it's hot it's hot in here Anyway, this particular investigation had to do with a family, and they were having issues. They were seeing, I think they were seeing a little boy running through their house and, and, and like deceased animals, dogs, whatever else you, they are. And um, so we go in, we start to do the investigation. You know, he's, we start to do the preliminary where we go in, we ask all those pre questions and everything to everybody. And uh, yeah, it's it just. It was, it was a fairly nice prelim. It wasn't anything like they weren't talking about anything dark. The only alarm that was kind of set off with me was that they said that they had like something dark that it looked like a dog or something that was running through the, they, they saw it on their stairway. It was running through their house and all this was going on. And um, so I, you know, I thought, okay, maybe it is a deceased dog because these people really love their animals. And so they, you know, they, they raised a bunch of animals there. So we come in to do the investigation, and I've got my command center sitting out in front of the garage door, and uh, the reports coming out from the team are, "Gee, I set this down, and it got moved, or I set, I set my my clipboard down, and it got knocked off the counter, stuff like that going on." But the weirdest thing was when they were in the living room, they could hear stuff like one of the locked bedrooms. They could hear stuff banging in the bedroom, like furniture and stuff was being moved around, right? And so I said, well, that's really weird. So I started to make phone calls to the psychics on the team. I had like, it was like, it was like, a, like the president. I had like three phones, three bat phones going. And I was getting information from three different psychics about what they thought was going on. And uh, so Karen Clark finally gets a hold of me and she says, I don't know what this is, but it doesn't have a face. And I said, wait, 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 slow down. What? It doesn't have a face. It's a woman that's got real long stringy hair. It doesn't have a face. And I thought, that's something, and here's something for you guys out there to learn all the way around, is that generally if a ghost doesn't have a face, or what you think is a ghost doesn't have a face, um, if, you know, if, if, <laughs> that usually means that that particular entity was not born here on Earth because they don't know how to put a face on. So at that point, I knew we were in deep, and so I went in, I pulled everybody out, I said, well, um, we're in over our heads, so let's go ahead and uh, call somebody else. And so we, I call the shaman, you know, to get her out. Family comes back, and I'm talking to the family. And uh, I said, look, I had to, you know, uh, we have to turn this over to our shaman because, you know, other things have to be done that are beyond what we can do, Yeah, you know, my, my regular scene can do. So when I was talking to the father in the driveway, he proceeded to tell me, and I mean, people... I don't know if people are dishonest on purpose when you do a preliminary, you know, you're trying to get get the answers before you go in there, you know, to make sure your crew's doing the right stuff to try and, you know, work on the investigation. But he's talking to me and he says, oh, I forgot to tell you something. And I said, well, what did you forget to tell me? And he says, well, our dryer in our laundry room, I was working in there and something opened the door of the dryer and snapped it right off the hinges and, and, threw, and threw the dryer door. And that's a big deal. I mean, 
when you look at demonic activity and stuff like that, a normal ghost, yeah, there are normal ghosts. A normal ghost cannot rip the door off, off uh, of a dryer like that off its metal hinges. It's impossible. All right. One of the questions I have going in when I talk to people and ask them, you know, have there been any objects moved or anything like that? One of the questions I have is how heavy were the objects? Because it's, it's kind of like a, a thing that we do where anything above six, seven pounds is not a regular ghost. It is something else. Usually, a, usually a, a, a dark entity, like a demon, has that kind of strength. That's why you hear stories of demons. Like, you know, you watch TV, you hear stories of demons that are ripping doors off, off the hinges or, or lifting, lifting people on chairs and all that stuff. They have that strength. The demons do. So when he told me that, it irritated me because, gee, that's a hell of a thing to not mention to us when we go, you know, when we go out on scene. You're going to tell me now that we've, you know, we've, that, that we've put our health and everything at risk in this house. But I didn't say anything to him. I just went, okay, that's fine. So I told Sharon, and, you know, I walked in to tell the Sharon about it, who was, who's our, um, you know, our shaman. And I told her about it. I left. I turned the whole thing over to her. I was done. You know, we were done. Our end of it was done at that point, you know. So it's like, you know, I don't know. Sometimes if people are holding back information to test you or if they're holding back information because they're afraid to tell you or they're just holding back information, they just don't think it's necessary to share with you that that particular incident. You know, I don't know if that's what happens. But we have definitely run into people to, to things like that. You know, and that was a biggie. I mean, telling us, you know, it, right after we were inside the house and things were flying around on us and all this was going on, then to sit there and tell us inside the house that, you know, I mean, outside, and like hours later that, oh, yeah, so, something ripped the dryer door off its hinges. Wow. There's also a lot of cases where, you know, because a lot of the paperwork we all have in our questionnaires, I know a lot of groups have this have the have similar paperwork where you go in and you ask them hey have you uh been messing around with tarot cards you know ouija boards or anything like that and they'll say no they'll swear up and down no and then psychics are <laughs> mediums can be really nosy and and, and and stuff and so my my team will will open up the closets because we're looking to see you know what might be going on in the house i mean it could be a noise that from some kind of air vent or something in a closet so we're going to open the closets and look at everything, you know, in a house. And so my, so like my, my, my lead field psychic Trish still, she'll look at closets and everything. And I guess uh, we were on this one investigation and she felt compelled to go to this one closet in the hallway of this house. And when she opened it up and looked up, there was an Ouija board up at the top of the closet. So right then and there, we knew that they had not told us about their use of messing around with this Ouija board. You know, that kind of thing. Because you, it's hard because you don't know what you're dealing with to begin with when you go in. you got to sort it out like a puzzle to see what you're dealing with, if anything. You know, it could be wiring or something going on in the house, too. But it makes it even harder when somebody's not honest and says, yeah, I'm, I I had this Ouija board and I was dealing with it and messing around with it. And uh, now I've got all this weird stuff going on in my house. It makes it really hard. But then once you find something like that, in fact, who was it? There was a TV show, and I can't remember the gentleman's name. 
he would find out about that stuff and he just he take his team and walk out because the, the the people that he was investigating weren't honest with him weren't honest enough with him to say hey yeah this is this is something that we did and now we've got all this activity going on you know they, he always felt they weren't serious about having the house cleansed or investigated or whatever you know but we have to know about that stuff when we're out we just have to know about that stuff because if we don't it just it you know you get taken by surprise that's when people get hurt now the house um, the, the mansion in the book from my understanding and talking to Anna Maria about it they still the, the they're unaware whether they officially have opened that place up yet I don't think um, I don't think they have because they can't keep a work crew in there and when he submitted the report and everything everything he had they didn't do a thing big big corporation that's why they don't believe so i mean you can only do so much just like with cases you go out you uh spend three or four days working with the client you know you're out there and you come back and maybe maybe, maybe they had they allow a cleansing to be done in the house but then you find out that you know they started messing around again and then whatever it is is back so then you then you go out usually we, we will go out two times and then you know it, we, we start charging because it starts to get really bad you know to the point that we're using gas up to go back and forth and you know we keep clearing things out and then the stuff keeps coming back okay so you know, I used to go out three or four times and it just got to the point where it was just too, it was too much, you know. So sometimes people, you know, and then, and then you get the people that like having you out. I mean, we've done investigations of commercial uh, places where they've brought in their friends and their friends of friends and they're watching us. And it's like, it's like doing a, it's like doing a live TV show. You know, we've, and we've had to work around that. And I've done that to where I've, you know, we've done our EVP sessions and used done our camera work and did all that and then turned around and walked out and gave a fun report in between everything because it, we had this huge audience watching us do an investigation. That's not cool either. You know, people are so enamored by ghost hunting because they see it on TV. It's like, it's like an everyday thing now. But it's, you know, it, it can be really serious situation. Like at this book, I like with this book I just read, that's a serious situation. You know, they had dark entities running all over that place and the history there alone it's no wonder that they that they had the stuff going on that they did okay on tiktok if you like what you hear tap that tap that screen keep tapping that screen um you know so there's been investigations like that there's been places where there's real you know where, where, where there's darkness where you walk in where maybe there was a murder or something happened or even drug, you know, even um, I did one a while back that the house had been a drug house. Well, yeah, that that was over an area I didn't expect it. It had been a drug house. And there was something that was bothering the baby. Because they had a baby maybe not even, I think, two years old. And the baby would always be talking to somebody. It would be standing in its uh, crib at night and talking to, talking to somebody. Always, just chit-chatting away. And it turned out it was somebody that had died in that house during the time that they were, you know, a drug house. 
And that one, that's the first time I've ever had a ghost um, call me names and call me foul. I mean, I'm talking, you know, curse words, real bad curse words. Excuse me. And that was on the EVP that we picked up. Ghost did not like me at all. <laughs> you know, because you're trying to get to leave the baby alone. I mean, that's the main thing. The mother reported that, you know, they, they, they put the, uh, the pacifier in the baby's mouth. The baby would be standing there or the milk. And something would snap the pacifier pacifier out of its mouth or grab the milk and throw it against the wall. It wasn't the baby doing it because they had a baby monitor in there. But they caught it. You know? So you gotta go in with, you know, you gotta go in and deal with that. And if it's a negative, then man, that's what's gonna happen. Now, I'm not saying every investigation is gonna be a ghost or even a negative force, right? Because I mean, we're looking at logical stuff too. I mean, I've got people on my staff. That have done construction. I've got people on my staff that have PhDs. I've got people on my staff, you know, that that know what to look for, electrical, whatever, you know. So I mean, we're just not going in and saying, okay, you got a ghost at the outset. I mean, we're looking at everything. I mean, my questionnaire is a, is is a hundred pages. So we're looking at everything. Hey, what's going on with you guys? You've been fighting a lot. Are you on medication? Uh, you know, is this going on? Is that going on? And then we look at everything. Like this one house was weird. We went to this one house, and the husband had done all the electrical work in this house. It was bizarre. And the EMF, there was hardly any EMF in this house. But yet, the family kept having problems all over the house. And, you know, how do you explain that? I mean, major problems, like high EMF problems, where they were having headaches and getting sick, physically ill, and all this was going on. And I couldn't figure it out. And then we went down the hallway, and she shut the lights off in the hallway, and he... And the EMF readings went through the roof. So something was weird with the way the house had been wired. Because when the lights were off, the EMF levels were high. You know, the, 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 the electromagnetic frequencies were high. Right? So what happens when you have high EMF in your house? Well, you can, it, it can cause headaches. It can cause you to get physically ill. It can cause hallucinations. One of our investigators, psychic investigators, was having problems in her apartment. And we went into this apartment to take a look around. She was seeing like brown entities running around her apartment. We start looking around and we find and we realize that they put a smart meter just outside her front door. Smart meters are known to have high EMF coming off of them. Then she moved into problem. But I mean that this has been going on, right? We had, a, we had an older woman that lived in an apartment that was seeing stuff in her apartment. You know, first thing you think is what, you know, what, what kind of medication are you taking? That kind of thing. Because you, you're trying to look at all the logical things that, that could be causing this person to see what she's seeing in her apartment. Then we go over there, a couple of EMF meters, and find out that her apartment's a center apartment. And if you follow all the wiring in the apartment, it's surrounding her apartment, like what they call an EMF cage. So it was off the charts. That's why she was having these issues. And it's hard to tell somebody when they're paying a mortgage or they're paying rent and they're stuck for, you know, they're stuck in a lease for a year. Hey, I think the best action for this is you're going to have to move out of your apartment. But that's what we told her. And she moved in with her daughter. She never had another problem. It was all that, that EMF, that EMF cage she was living in that, that caused it. You know, I mean, you run into stuff 
like that. And that's the logical part of doing this. That's what we got to look for. We just can't say, you know, it is a disservice to people if we go in and say, oh, your house is haunted. Let's do this. You just, you just don't do that when you're investigating. You just don't. Okay, if you like this, show me some love, you guys. Tap that screen, TikTok, tap that screen. But it's a disservice when you just go in thinking, oh, yeah, there's a ghost. And there's teams that do that. There's there's teams that are geared like that that do that, and it's a disservice. Um, let me think of another one. I mean, we've done probably about 300 cases over the years. You know, and not all of them are haunted. I would say, you know, I would say out of all the cases we've done, probably about 30% might have some paranormal activity and the rest are, can all be explained, Log, you know, logically. So you don't run into, just like just like demon cases, you don't run into, like, the, you know, TV would have you believe that every case that you're going to run into is probably demonic. No, there's a small percentage of cases that you're going to run into that that are demonic. It's like Nancy. It's like Nancy Matt says on Fridays. Usually, it's a ghost that's angry in life. Is still angry after after the person dies, and sometimes what you run into is you run into ghosts that want to seem like they're demonic, and they're not, but they want you to think they are. That's happened before with this team. It's happened a few times. Trying to look at some of this stuff over here. Okay, again, you know, it's like I'm far away from the screen here for TikTok. Just bear with me. I can't see comments right away. But I know you're there. Thank you for commenting. I will check these out before I shut every, before I shut down for the night. I see I see the comments coming up on the screen over here on uh, StreamYard as well. Um, but it is. It's, it's, it's one of these things where you have to be extra, extra careful. I mean, that's part of your job. It's taken years to come up with the paperwork that we have. For going into some place because I mean you just can't walk into somewhere and go, okay, do you think you have a ghost? Blah, you know, what's this question? What's this question? We've taken to the point, like I said, we have a hundred hundred question questionnaire. It's huge. And then we not only that, while we're you know, while we're at the house doing the questionnaire, we've got somebody walking around with paperwork, marking everything in the rooms, looking at the carpet, looking at the ceilings, looking, looking where the windows are, looking, you know. Looking to see if the echo is. Where's all the high EMF in the house? Excuse me. We are looking at everything. Because we want to provide a service that is complete quality. And then, like the gentleman at the end of this, at the end of that book, who gave that report to the client. We also have a 30-page report we give out, which includes all, all and any evidence that we've collected. And then at the very end is our suggestions as to what can be done you know, to the house or building, but it's very thorough. It's not like TV where they sit there for 10 minutes going over evidence. I mean, this is, you know, we get EVPs and I send them off to people in the group to see if they hear what I hear. You know, I've got records um, of audio for my team. There's audio records where I have everybody's voice on record in a normal voice and a whisper voice. So I can go back through and double check the EVPs and compare them. Right? It's because we're checking all that stuff. And you would be surprised. <laughs> I flipped the screen. You would be surprised how a washer 
a washing machine can sound like a human voice. Because that's something I found over the years, too. You're listening to your EVPs, and on this gosh, the way it moves or the way it creaks or whatever can sound like a human voice. So you got to get used to that stuff. And see, I've been listening to them enough to know the difference in the sounds over the years. But you, you would think that a, that, that a wash machine, a clothes washer, would sound like a human voice, and it does. It sounds really, really like a human voice. So you got to be careful for stuff like that. Or maybe somebody's in another room while you're investigating and they've got the TV on low. And you didn't know it. And believe me, these digital voice recorders that investigators use now, they can pick that up. Even if it's way up on the second floor, they can pick that stuff up. So you got to be careful of all that. You know, you want, you, want, you want to get a team that's going to use multiple recorders. Because with that case, let's say you have a recorder in your room that you're working in. And maybe you have three or four recorders spread out through the house, right? So you pick up this TV, and then you, you know you always mark the time that you turn the recorder on. You you pick up this this faint voice that you don't know is a TV, and then you go over the other recorders and look at the time you know look at the time frame, and then you realize that two rooms down, this recorder picked up the same sound. That then you start thinking, well, maybe it came from some other source, than something paranormal. The other thing that's strange with, with this, too, is certain recorders will pick up certain frequencies. They don't all pick up the same frequencies. I've gotten EVPs on my regular digital voice recorder that my Olympus doesn't pick up because I use a Sony. My Olympus doesn't pick it up, okay? Or I've got nothing on those recorders, and my cell phone has picked up sound. So it just depends on the frequencies. That's why you have to have multiple ways to record stuff. You just can't use one brand of recorder. And I know I've had other investigators get frustrated because I go in with, you know, I want them to have their own recorders along with what I'm using. I have seven recorders and they go all over the house. But they get frustrated because, well, why should I use my recorder? That's because not all recorders pick the same thing up. In fact, there's times, and it showed that in this book that I just read, there's times when you will hear voices on an investigation and then you go back over your digital voice recorders and there's no voice there. For some reason, it wasn't the right frequency for the recorders to pick up. That happens a lot too when you're out there. Or even video. You might see something, some kind of anomaly, and you think, oh gosh, this is great. We're going to get this on film. You go back to look over your, your uh, notes and, and, and your uh, DVR stuff and it's not there. But you know it was there you know, because you, you saw it firsthand. Stuff like that happens. Equipment malfunctions. Oh my gosh. Doing the Wilden Opera House. You get in there and get everything hooked up. It's all working fine. And then two seconds later, none of the cameras are working. Interference. You know, so you can get it interfered. They have the, they, they have the ability to interfere with your electricals. It's stuff you gotta it's stuff you gotta look out for. But I mean when you go into somebody's house and you're representing somebody. And you want, and you're representing your team, and you want to make things good for somebody in their house. That's what you have to do. You have to look at everything. You know, you're looking at the carpets, you're looking at the floors, you're, you're, you're trying to see how much echo there is in this house, how thin are the walls, the outside walls of the house, because in some cases, some houses are so the walls are so thin that you can actually hear 
voices from across the street, which are faint enough to make you think that the voices are in the house. We did one case just real close, a little ways away from my own house, where the, the an older woman was hearing voices in her house. And it turns out she had a mailbox, you know, one of those mailbox hole drops, you know, where the mailman drops the, the mail through. And you could hear everything through that. So she'd be half asleep and she would hear these voices thinking they were ghosts. And it was people across the street or walking by the house. Another house we did, there was a trail, a river trail behind where this gal lived. And her walls were super thin. So she would doze off. Her bedroom was on the side that was near, that was near the fence. So she would hear voices and wake up and think she was hearing ghosts. When in reality, it was people walking the trail. And how did we find that out? Because we had our team go out and walk the trail, and then we laid on the bed and listened. That's how you do it. You have to physically go out and test this stuff out to make sure. Just like lights that lights that people claim they see in their houses, we're looking out for you know cars driving by or people with flashlights or whatever. You got to check all that stuff out. There's a lot that goes into conducting an investigation. Okay, again, if you guys like what you hear and see, please be sure to tap the, tap that screen. Show me some love over here from Facebook and YouTube. <laughs> the show didn't start out that great when I dropped the mic. Not a good day in the neighborhood. But um, there's a very meticulous thing you go through. And then, again, to run into, you know, getting into, like, infested houses or infested places. Yeah, there's certain things you, an investigator looks for, certain alarms that go off. Like when I was reading this book, you know, about, you know, this investigation at that, at, at that, that, that mansion. I mean, right away, the first time the guy went out there, there were alarms going off in my head because of what they were encountering. His wife, I mean, at work, she encountered a faceless ghost, even at work. So before he even went to the investigation or got involved with it, because this is, this is just before he even got the phone call on the case. So before he got the phone call on the case, things were already happening. The goat, one of the ghosts from that house were, was over at, the ho at this hospital where his wife worked, following her around. So, I mean, that, that's, an, that, that's an alarm you know, set off right there that that was happening. Of course, he had no idea until because, you know, they thought it was from an, another investigation that they that they had just finished. He had no idea about the guy with no face until he got to that mansion. But it happens. I know it's happened to me before I've done investigations where whatever is at the house or building has paid me a visit, whether it, whether it's at my house or at my place of employment. At that time, it's happened to me. Um, I remember, I know I shared this with someone, I don't know if I did on the air. I remember going to the ladies' restroom one time and looking over my shoulder because I felt like I was being watched. Turned around and saw an older woman with a uh, smock on that had like little flowers on it. And then the next night, of course, I went to this investigation and sure enough, this this woman is seen, you know, in the halls and stuff at this house, at this place, dressed in a smock with little flowers on it. 
So I was having things like that happen. And it was almost, and for a while there, it was almost every investigation. I would, I would see whatever we were, who, whatever, whomever we were supposed to investigate. It gets spooky out there. It's really spooky out there. You know? But um, there's certain ways to handle cases, and there's certain ways not to handle cases. But I just wish people, I know they see stuff on TV. So, you know, they, they try to equate all the paranormal groups like the people that are on TV, and we're not all the same. We're not all cookie cutter in the way we do. Some don't even have mediums on staff. Some are just purely scientific. Like the one in the book, purely scientific. And some have mediums on their staff. My team is 50-50. We've got mediums and believers on our staff, but we do also have the, the doctors and PhDs and all this on our staff. I call them the debunkers. They don't like the name debunkers anymore. But, you know, we have those people on our staff. That's why they're there. It's a balance. It's a balance. It's a check, counter check. And I've even had mediums on my staff that are debunkers as well. So, it's, you know, it, it, it's, 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 it's nice to have that ability to be able to do that. But it's also nice to have these people that have worked in, in the construction field, you know, in, in the construction company fields, so that they can look at the look at houses and, and, and see things that maybe I don't recognize or the people that, don't, that live in the houses don't recognize. How about mice and rats? That's one of... That, that's, that, that's something, you know, because you hear banging in your walls and you think it's paranormal and it turns out to be mice and rats. You go out to somebody's house and you have that discussion with them and they'll swear up and down that they don't have them at all. So an easy way to tell whether they're there or not is when a mice pee, when a mice def, defecates or pees or when a rat defecates or pees, they have a chemical in there. So you take a black light, and maybe you go up in the attic and check it out. Maybe that would be the easiest place for access. You, you crawl up in the attic in the black light, and you can see the trails of where these these creatures were. Because they, they will leave a urine trail, right? So you can see where, you know, what direction it's going off and using a black light. So that's a trick that paranormal investigators use to see if you have that kind of stuff in your house. That could be... That could be making the noises in your walls. Now, I've been out on cases where there's poltergeist going on. And, you know, of a particular case I did up in the gold country where this couple would get into fights. And they wouldn't resolve it before they went to bed that night. And then sure enough, during the night, doors and windows were being slammed open and closed by themselves. They had banging in the walls of the house. All this stuff was going on. Called us out, checked it out, found out that you know, she, that, that she was going to bit angry. And it turns out, you know, one of the ways for a poltergeist, there's several ways you can get poltergeist. And I know they've been, they've been redefined over the years. Okay. But back, back then, it was either you had a kid that was going through puberty. And there's a lot of cases of that in history of a child going through puberty because their minds are chaotic and the changes are going on in their bodies and there's poltergeist activity. Or, like I said, they would argue and they wouldn't resolve it before they went to bed. And she would go to bed and she was upset. And she would cause the poltergeist activity in the house. Now, when we sat down with her to explain it, 
and got it through and, you know, and, 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 and had her fix the stuff, there hasn't been a problem since. So, you know, there's several ways for things to happen in a house or several things for like activity to happen. And it's something you have to watch when you go out as a paranormal investigator, you're not going out to, you know, like I said, to say, okay, your house is haunted. Let's do this. You are, you have to act as a count, you know, act as a counselor, you know, because you look at everything to, to, to see exactly what's going on in somebody's house. You know, that's just the job. But like I said, I have a lot of stories. I could go on and on about different stories about, uh, you know, dark, dark beings that we've run into and things, you know, things that have gone wrong on investigations. But that's that's what that's why you, groups have, you get experience because the more you go out, the more you experience. And believe me, nothing is the same. No matter, no matter if you run into a dark being in one house and you go to another house, you run into something dark. It's going to be completely different from the other house, no matter what. It's never the same. Never the same mo. Like the police would say, never the same mo when you go out on these things. I have files upon files of cases. That when I come across something, I can refer back that maybe it's similar. But it's never completely the same. I hope that makes sense, right? Never completely the same. But um, it can get interesting out there. and you, you can run into stuff like at this mansion in the book. You can run into stuff. A lot of stuff that you didn't expect. So you've always got to be attentive. Never go anywhere, you know, without a partner. If you're going to walk around a haunted location, always have two of you. One to witness and one to catch you if you fall. Okay. But, you know, you always want to have a buddy with you because you don't know what's going to happen. You know, and in a lot of the places, you're you're running around in the dark, too. I remember doing the Washoe Club, Virginia City, years ago before they before they did a lot of remodeling on it. And there was a very thin black stairway, dark stairway going upstairs, but there were no railings. So always make sure you're with somebody, you know, in case, you know, you don't want to be falling down the stairs or falling off the stairs because it's multiple floors, right? I'm sure it's changed. That was a long time ago. I'm sure it's changed by now. But yeah, I mean, there's stuff like that. There's always danger in the dark. There's cables on the floor, of course, you know, we, we, we try to tape them down as well as we can. And, we have, you know, we want to make sure we use painter's tape so we don't destroy anybody's flooring or anything like that or, or paint on their walls. But you're always taking, you know, precautions when you're out there because you are running around in the dark. Sometimes you're outside. Sometimes, like an old hotel, you're outside and out in fields or you're down like dark, like in, like in this case, dark basements. That you're run, that you're running around in. You got to be extra careful, extra careful. And then it doesn't help if you have a poltergeist or you got something that's kind of set, that's, that's aggressive. You know, when you're out there, you're trying to deal with it. But sometimes the you know <laughs> you get an aggressive entity, it's going to trip you or try to trip you. It's happened. I've been pushed downstairs. I've been I've been scratched. I've been shoved. I've had the electrical cut off several times on investigation. And then it miraculously comes back on and everything we have is erased. So, you know, go figure. So I've had it happen. So it is an adventure. 
Okay. Anyway, I'm going to get off here. Tomorrow, <laughs> God willing, because the way this week's gone, we've had two no-shows this week, three no-shows this week. One that I had to record today, well, it wasn't quite a no-show. That was a tech, a tech problem. That was supposed to be a pre-record today. And uh, two no-shows this week. Well, um, last night was ill, and tonight, probably an ill child. Some family emergency. He has uh, confirmed to be, be on the 12th, so he's coming back next Thursday, I think. For another shot. <laughs> it happens. But uh, it's been that kind of week, and then I go to turn everything on here and get this rolling, and what happens? My whole mic system takes a dump. So I had to deal with that. So it's all fumbling. Nice outtakes. At least I didn't use the flurry of foul language tonight. But I want to thank everybody for coming. We're going to have Nancy tomorrow with us, and so that should be a, a, a fun show. Uh, for our, the, my Patreons over on Patreon, I will have, because I got behind, I will have the next video for you guys to check out Early Bird. I will have that up by tomorrow evening, so you guys can do that. It's an interesting video, and I think you're going to like it. In fact, i got to do a reschedule with him as well, because he has another book that I want to go over and talk, that I want to talk about with him, of studies he's done. So he's going to get to come back again, so that'll be fun. But anyway, I want to thank you all for coming. If you like the show, share it with five people. If you hated the show, share it with five of your enemies. We're equal opportunity here at California House Radio. Um, also, you know, check out the sites. Check out my Instagram at GhostyGal. You know, follow me over there. Because if we lose TikTok, you're going to have to come over to Instagram, more than likely. Or YouTube, you know, YouTube.com forward slash at California Haunts Radio. That's another place. Our Facebook page at California Haunts Ghostly Events, plus our regular California Haunts pages. So check us out over there as well. But uh, thank you all for coming tonight. And uh, if you can find it in your heart, um, again, this is a nonprofit pretty much, and it all comes out of my pocket to pay for the internet and other fees. I'd really, you know, if you could help me out a little bit, I'd really appreciate it. I'd appreciate it. That would be great, you know, so I can pay the bills and. Keep this show on the air. We're going on our fourth year in September. Didn't think I was going to be on, on the air this long. But here we are, right? <laughs> uh, TikTok, uh, please be sure if you like the show, keep tapping that screen. Maybe throw me one, well, one or two Easter eggs. That would be cool, too, before I sign off. But I want to thank everybody, and I really appreciate you all being here. So I will see you tomorrow at 6.30 p.m. Pacific. Not, you, not TikTok, people, because, like I said, um, I don't have the technology yet to do TikTok and my regular show at the same time. So I'm just trying to figure that stuff out right now. Okay, I'll see you guys tomorrow, 6.30 p.m. Pacific. Have a great evening, everybody. And I'm out.